I'm creative business coach Anastasia Williams, and you are listening to Making Magic, a podcast for fiber artists, makers, and creatives who are looking to craft a business with intention. Hello, welcome to episode 15. Today, I have a little bit of a treat for you because I'm going to talk to a business owner who is not a fiber artist. Her name is Emily Wool, so that's W-O-O-L, which I realize is a little bit ironic considering she's not a fiber artist. Her printmaking business has been going for about six years, and today we talk about different ways to repurpose content, how to choose what types of content go on which platforms, and also we dive really deep into newsletters and how to bring value in each one that you send out other than just notifying individuals of new products or shop updates. About you and what you do and how you got to doing what you're doing. Yeah, so um, my name is Emily Wool. My business name is Emily Ruth Prince. And um, I guess it started um, this this business, well, it, it kind of accidentally started, but um, about almost, it'll be six years ago this fall, um, I was kind of looking for ways. Um, I used to do art and, and teach art to people with disabilities, and we were looking for ways to translate our drawings and um, our work into more functional items. So one of the ways that I kind of was researching how to do that was with block printing, because it's a, um, I'm familiar with, I was familiar with printmaking, I took some printmaking classes in college, um, but just kind of wanted to reacquaint myself with it. And um, the process that I use specifically has fairly low amounts of like tools and specialty things involved. So um, I wanted to learn more about it, um, looked up a class online, ended up taking like a online class about block printing, um, specifically to teach it in this classroom environment. Uh, but then kind of my um, husband's family is from upstate New York, and we went to um, like camping and hiking. And I just kept seeing all these really beautiful shapes in nature, just, you know, looking around. And um, for some reason, the block printing process and what I was seeing kind of clicked together for me. And I started creating my own work after that. So um, yeah, that's kind of how I started block printing. And then I guess I just kind of, um, you know, we're kind of in this era of being entrepreneurs and, you know, there's a lot of really easy ways to put your work out in the world. Um, currently living right outside of Charlottesville. Charlottesville has a great like market scene and um, there's kind of easy ways to make things and see if people like what you make. And I went to my first market and was completely terrified. I had to be at work that day. It was a, uh, the day before on a Friday and could barely function because I was so worried about how it was going to go the next day because it was the first time that I had like printed and sewn things and put it out into the world. And um, it went great. It went fine. I mean, I don't exactly remember what happened. I think I kind of like blacked out and then <laughs> woke back up and realized it was all okay and um, kind of have been doing it that way ever since it's you know obviously because of COVID my business structure has been pretty different over the past year and certainly in the past few years um, I have officially been in business for about I guess it'll be almost three years this fall because um, I just you know was making things unofficially at first and um yeah, I kind of went into the teaching realm and, um, and I have a sewing background. So that part of it was kind of inherently tied into what I was doing and just always, always wanted to work with the textile. So, uh, yeah, so that's kind of how it's been going in the last few years, kind of started by accident and then just kept making things. And if anybody who makes things, you know, no matter what it is, eventually you have to do something with it, <laughs> whether it's selling it or giving it away or, you know, repurposing. So um, it just kind of organically led into um, selling it. And yeah, just kind of been doing that ever since. Wow. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. six years. A long, a long little yeah thread there, but yeah, about, no, about almost six years. Yeah. yeah. Super, super interesting. Okay. So then what would you say at this point in your business, having done it for almost six years, 
what are some of the things that you're running into as far as like challenges or things that you're wanting to work on? Um, yeah, so I think at first there's this, you know, you're super busy um, learning, you know, refining your process, figuring out what's important to you, figuring out how you want to present it to the world, you know, sort of the ways that your business could go. Um, there's just a lot of options when it comes to that. And I think I've been just kind of focusing in on the more specific things that I want to present and, and, and focus in on, I guess, over the last, like, especially year or two. So um, especially when it comes to the online uh, realm, I think, I just feel like there are so many different options, so many different ways to put your work out there. And some of them are great. And some of them are like exactly what aligns with my vision and the way I want to present my business. And, um, and some of them have been more successful than others for how, you know, others end up wanting to consume what I do, you know, whether it's what I make or classes or whatever. So, um, you asked about challenges, right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I guess that's it. I mean, that's, I I'm babbling because that's the challenge, right? Is like figuring out what works for you. Um, figuring out, you know, I I'm on Patreon. So I've been, I've been trying out Patreon since about August. Um, you know, I have a website, been selling a lot online, of course, over this last year, doing um, online classes because I used to do in-person classes. So I think the struggle is just like figuring out where you fit in most um, in those online outlets, I guess is what it's called. Um, and then uh, just not spreading yourself too thin over those different platforms because, you know, obviously you can't keep up perfectly with all of them. So. Right. Um, I just struggle with wanting to try everything, but knowing that, you know, there's not everything is going to work. And so how to make the things that do work, work great, work the best. And yeah, no, that's, that's a very poignant challenge to have, I guess. I mean, it's a, it's important to be able to kind of narrow that in and figure that out. So right yeah. now, what outlets are you using like which which social media platforms like I know you mentioned Patreon uh what other ones are you using yeah I I mean I'm definitely on Instagram the most um I think I use that pretty consistently try to keep up with it pretty consistently I'm almost never on Facebook I feel like that's an afterthought for sure um I started this print along this week um that kind of coordinates with my new Skillshare class um trying again, trying Skillshare, trying to do like online classes that way. I mean, that's been great. So yeah, definitely um, Instagram. I have a fairly robust um, newsletter group, but also I feel like I don't use that quite as effectively. So I feel like I'm really only able to focus on like two or three things at a time um, effectively. And so Instagram, I'd say Instagram, Patreon, and um, and then the newsletter are kind of like my main things that I like to do. I don't really count, I guess I don't really count the uh, um, website with that because it kind of just runs itself. I don't feel like there's too much maintenance involved with that, at least for me, um, unless there's like online shop updates and stuff, which happens too. But again, that's sometimes that's just through Instagram. So um, sure. I rely on Instagram a lot for outreach, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Well, and I mean, especially when you're in, like um kind of like an, a creative zone or creative right. you know field instagram right. is obviously like top dog for that yeah it's super visual right i mean yeah. i don't touch twitter <laughs> i just don't right. yeah, there's not really a space for that and i honestly like the reason one of the reasons why i feel like facebook tends to be an afterthought for a lot of us are for a couple of reasons number one i do think that it, it seems to be trending that the audience that uses Facebook, it's typically an older audience. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and it seems like the reason they come to Facebook is different than consumption of like product and scale mm -hmm. information. It seems to be a lot mm -hmm. more geared around like news, uh, memes, which we all love memes, but I mean like, right, right. Well, unless that's your job, there's no reason for you to yeah. be there. But, <laughs> right. but I yeah, it's a different kind of interaction. It is. It is. And I would say, I always tell people, you know, if you feel like Facebook is like you said, like an afterthought or something that you dread having to make content for, then just scrap it. Like there's just right. 
honestly no reason. I don't even see the reason yeah. half the time and um, more than half the time in reposting like Instagram content over there. So that's what I was going to say. That's all I would ever do. And it's, it's, I don't do it with every post, but only with stuff that I think maybe my Facebook audience, which is fairly small, would yeah. even care about. Um, and one benefit to it, I guess this is how I use it, is if I'm linking something. So if I know that I want someone to go to my website, you know, sometimes I will post the same Instagram post to Facebook. I don't make, I never make new content for yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that makes the most sense because obviously Facebook allows you to build that in where Instagram doesn't. But right. then the other trick of like, if you ever want to use like hashtags or, <laughs> yeah. or tag somebody in an Instagram post and you can't uh, on Facebook, so that doesn't translate. So right. it's like, yeah, I mean, there is kind of that fine line, but you know, yeah. if it's, if it's something that doesn't take you a lot of time and it doesn't really expend a lot of your energy, then you know, just keep it walking yeah. as such. But I want to talk about specifically the the Patreon first. And so are you also still selling your own products on top of doing Patreon stuff? Yes. So okay. um, I don't have shop updates that often. They're usually specialty. Maybe I try to do it once a month. Um, but yeah, so that's that's a totally different set of items that I would offer at an online shop then on Patreon. Yeah. But it's, um, I try doing, um, because Patreon has that subscription aspect to it. I did do a bandana, uh, the bandana print club of subscription on Patreon. And so there's a bit of crossover there with just using the functionality of Patreon to kind of like feed back into the website. So mm -hmm. it, it was a little confusing, but it, it worked. So, um, yes. And yes. And no, I guess it's okay. It's, pretty different so that, content. So then you are primarily when you're doing the shop updates. So that's kind of like at your leisure, whenever you have the ability to do it. So you're not like right. trying to constantly maintain inventory or anything like that. At least not for my shop. Um, I definitely still have connections with like local businesses and things. Um, mm -hmm. And admittedly not great at keeping up with that either. And that's, I guess, that's kind of why um, I've been trying to delve into things like Skillshare doing online classes and Patreon and things because I think a lot of makers feel this way that like keeping up with inventory is just hard it's just hard to continuously make things and that's kind of why we have those you know maybe smaller drops of items that end up being more of an Instagram sale or a monthly shop thing just like keeping it constantly going proves to be pretty difficult and there are other ways to kind of share what you you know, your business vision and things without actually like creating so many physical items. Cause that can be really labor intensive. Yeah. So. And then I would also add to that, that, you know, the generations that are coming up, we're seeing a big shift in like what we actually want to consume. And is right. it products like the generations before us were doing, or mm -hmm. is it more experience slash knowledge and that kind of thing travel? Um, you know, the great, the greatest examples I can use of my husband's parents and my parents both downsized in the last couple of years. And they were just like, you could just tell the devastation and like, you don't want this. You don't want this. <laughs> I know. No, we don't want any of it. <laughs> I know. Like we have an entire house full of furniture. Like, isn't this something that you want? <laughs> it's like, no. actually, no. <laughs> I don't want any of that. Mom. It's I worth thinking. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, like I have this pump organ and I'm like, what on earth am I going to do with a pump organ? <laughs> I don't want it. She's like, well, when I, when I die, you're going to get it anyway. Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, I, it's, it's a totally different mindset. I mean, I think we've, you know, we've heard the conversations around single use and, um, you know, uh, like products that just don't last the way that they used to. A, that's for a reason. And B, we've kind of like, we've, we've not, I don't think we've gotten past that. I think we're in the late stages of, you know, getting past that. But I think we've, uh, you know, us and like younger generations have definitely come to understand that it's just not what we want to do. It's not where we want to spend our time and our money, um, you know, just on, on that kind of stuff. So it's, it's just a different mindset. It's just, you know, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's not, it's a different set of values too, for sure. Um, in, you know, wanting in wealth being in time, um, and not as much in physical stuff. Right. 
Right, exactly. So, okay, so back to Patreon here. Yeah, <laughs> right, what right. Kind of, what kind of offers do you have within that? Yeah, so it's just an opportunity. I think I have almost 30 people on there right now. And what I'll do is just spend a little more time with behind the scenes um, videos, you know, things that aren't necessarily fully fleshed tutorials or anything, just kind of you know, oh, I have, um, you know, I'm going to carve this thing and I'm going to set it up and make sure that I film it in this, you know, nice way for folks to consume that isn't, you know, it's not a 15 second, 30 second, whatever video, but it's also not like a full fledged um, class or anything. So it's just kind of extra content. Um, you know, I've been on Spoonflower for a little bit now selling digital um, fabrics and, you know, just showing things like that behind the scenes that maybe, you know, I think, maybe, you know, folks, some folks on Instagram, like care about and want to see, but like, I feel good about spending more time talking about those things and sharing videos like that on a platform like Patreon, because it's a group of people who choose to be there. You know, they, every month they, they, they want to see what you do. And I, and then I send out mail as well for certain mm -hmm. tiers. So every month, um, the two, two top tiers get, um, like a piece of mail. And then the, very top tier always gets 15% off in the shop. So there's just, you know, little things that are like, thank you for being here, you know, for creators, it's mm. just invaluable to have um, a bit of a constant or a consistent and um, predictable income yeah. um, when it comes to stuff like that. So it's just a kind of, um, but that, that's one of those things too. It's, it's more planning content, right? And it's yeah. more figuring out what are the right things to show for that space and, mm. um, and then respecting that people are choosing to be there and not showing those things on Instagram because it's easy to plop a video up, but I also want to make sure that, you know, people are getting exclusive content and not just stuff that I put up everywhere. Right. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, so then really what it seems like is not so much, it's, it's really just kind of around deciding where, what, what content goes where and who gets right. access to x y or z right right no exactly yeah it's true and so, and kind of yeah what's that no no go ahead go ahead and the scope of it too so just deciding like how much time and energy goes into what type of content you know according to where people are whether you know i i know that folks in my newsletter group aren't necessarily on instagram so like i'm you know, I might send out a little email about I'm having a flash sale on Saturday. You know, it's easy for folks on Instagram to access that, but maybe it's not even something that folks, well, some folks, but maybe not all folks on my newsletter group would even want to or care about accessing because I know most of it, it's a different group. So just mm -hmm. figuring that out too is, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, it, yeah, it is. So when your, your newsletter group, does that group primarily do your leads from that come from like the shows that you've sold at? Yeah, so I'd say the bulk of it, um, I did a show um, like a, uh, I guess it was in the fall with um, a group here. It's the Crozet Arts and Crafts Festival and they put it on every year. It's a really popular show and you know typically it's in person and they have a huge following. So um, they had art, the artists that were vendors at their show, they got access to the folks that applied or that, they had to go through kind of a portal to attend the show and submit their email address. So um, some of them are from that. I mean, I have been doing markets for a few years. So on my end, the getting newsletter subscribers was pretty slow. So I would just have people like sign up on, you know, a clipboard or whatever at a market. And I finally put the pop-up on your website that I know everybody hates and I hate it too, but now I know why people do it to like subscribe <laughs> and put their email in when they, when they go to your website. I yeah. finally did that. Cause I was like, you know what? Like it's, it's a good idea. Let's yeah. Do it. Yeah. It um, is. That's sort of well, and it's, it's more or less just kind of a quick reminder for people like, Hey, by the way, this exists. And if you provide the value for yeah. them, then it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, especially when they yeah, um, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, all right. Now, the majority of your leads overall, as far as leads for people who end up buying from you online, I'm going to guess those are going to probably be coming from Instagram. Mm -hmm. At least now. I mean, in the last year, for sure. I would have said before, probably like local farmers markets and things, but mm -hmm. certainly um, throughout COVID, it's become more and more Instagram. 
Okay. So here's the thing. When I look at those, uh, the primarily the three different, the, the, the ones that we've talked about, the Patreon, the newsletter, and uh, Instagram, and I suppose Skillshare, is, is that more community-based or is it literally just like classes? Um, so you mean like, is there an interactive kind of part to it? Yeah. You can foster a community within your own kind of teaching atmosphere. It kind of comes, I think more when people have multiple classes, so people are following along with them and like waiting for, you know, those classes to come out. So, um, I've, I've had some really nice folks that have committed to like interacting with um, my class and have, you know, submitted, you can submit projects and have conversations within that. Um, group, but it's definitely something you have to work at growing. So okay. I, I don't consider that a big focus yet because I just don't have the kind of following there. Yeah. Okay. Good. Because I didn't want to. I didn't want to exclude that necessarily. Um, but it sounds like yeah, the interactions are just for what you're working on at that moment. So you don't have to like, right the community. So when I look at the communities that need to be fostered, and this is something that I too have been working on personally because it is it is interesting to think about who gets to see what. And I always look at the places that are the most important are the places that you have ownership over. Mm, So primarily newsletter would be, Mm. I think top tier um, as far as like where, okay, I'm gonna, just hear me out here and then we'll, we'll I'll, keep, yeah. I'll keep working through this. But <laughs> I think it's, it's the most important because if everything else goes away, mm-hmm. that still exists. Right. No, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. So that's the most important thing in my mind, kind of for starting those conversations, bringing people into your world. So right. that reason that also why I like a newsletter and like to focus on a newsletter is because you can still provide value for the people who will never buy from or the people who won't ever be able to buy from you. So while you have that community in Patreon, which is also very important because they are compensating you for that content you're providing, Mm -hmm. that the newsletter kind of still is important to foster that. Well, it is a form of community, to be honest. And I think the more we start looking at newsletters as community, the more that we start to actually be intentional with how we present ourselves and interact in those spaces. Um, It is a little bit harder because they don't necessarily get to interact with each other in a visible way, but it doesn't mean that you won't interact with them individually, which I think is, that's a goal that I have is I wanna create newsletters that people wanna respond to and talk to me. And, And if I have that sort of, creation of community like relationship back and forth with me and an individual then if I know that they're in need of something then I can connect to them with somebody else maybe who I've met through the newsletter or fostered a relationship with and then they Mm -hmm. can connect that way and I mean there are times that I do things like that especially with the way that I work with the yarn stuff I mean, there's so many different areas of yarny things and a lot of people need to learn to work together in order to get a product out. So um, that is something that I feel like newsletters are super important. Now, the type of newsletter that you end up sending out, that I think is probably where you get to choose how much energy you're putting into it. Mm-hmm. So like you have newsletters that are kind of like more for digesting (laughs) information. (laughs) So that would be something like mine, right? Where I show up every Sunday and I write, like I have a whole bunch of different stuff. It's almost like a, literally, it's like a literal newsletter or like a newspaper. Mm -hmm. There's all different kinds of sections in there that kind of fresh. But there's also, you know, you can write short, quick newsletters. Those are typically more frequent. Those are the ones that I see more like, like the people that I hate getting their newsletters. <laughs> like, 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 like when I follow big business coaches and they say, right. Marie Forleo, who's so right. popular and has great stuff. It's like, but she sends me four emails right. a week and they're like 
two paragraphs or like six lines and some of the lines are bolded and you know you know it's just, it just feels like anyway yeah and then there's like the form of like lists and resources which mm-hmm. I think those are pretty cool I follow a lot of newsletters that are the same where it's like hey look at what I found this week and it's mm-hmm. basically just a way for you to kind of plug in here's this cool blog post that I found also here is you know a new tier I opened up on Patreon and also here's this and here's this and here's this and just mm. like quick, quick little snippets so that people can do quick consumption um mm. but they can look forward to it because there's usually something of value in there because you're not just posting here's stuff I like it's here's stuff that I think you would find mm-hmm. beneficial or helpful and a lot of times that type of newsletter and I don't know if if that's your style or not, you can comment here in a sec, but um, that allows you to put a little bit less energy into having to come up with some groundbreaking, earth shattering, huge observations in your life, which, you know, sometimes that's that's really hard to put on ourselves to come up with on a frequent basis. And it allows us instead to be like, hey, I showed up for you. I have value for you, but I also like still can maintain my sanity. Right, right. <laughs> That's a great way to look at it, honestly. Yeah. Um, so the actually that that like triggered a thought like that the added value, I can see it so much more clearly when it comes to stuff like um, Instagram, shop updates, Patreon, it's kind of laid out for you there where it's like, you know, you're always you're sharing other people's work, you're saying, hey, look at this thing I noticed. Um, You know, I like I've done a few reels just about like art creation, and I like sharing information about like, you know, dispelling myths about creativity and you know how to, you know, drawing and all that kind of stuff. Um, But never kind of understood how to translate that into a newsletter format. Because I mean, most of my newsletters are, this is what I'm selling. And like, that, I don't, I didn't, I don't really know another way. I not yet, but now I'm getting lots, lots of ideas. Um, I don't I, like, to me, that was, I was like, what else do I have to share? Cause I'm just telling, cause you know, a lot has happened over here on Patreon. A lot has happened over here on maybe Skillshare, Spoonflower, Instagram. And I kind of, in my newsletters end up, it, it's almost like a report of like, yeah. this is what's coming up. This is what happened, you know, stuff like that. But the value is kind of lost because they haven't you know, if someone's just on the newsletter, they haven't seen the behind the scenes stuff and they haven't seen the like interaction, the conversations that have happened um, on Instagram. So translating those kind of value added things to a newsletter format is not something I've really considered. Um, So that's really interesting. Yeah. And and it's especially saying that, you know, you have a good portion of your people who are not on Instagram, having that where you can basically kind of draw that from it and put it in the newsletter is beneficial because then they get to be a part of those conversations Um, especially when they can on Instagram and even sometimes people can do it vice versa where if they want to have those conversations via newsletter instead Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. then take parts of those or responses to that and turn that into content for Instagram like that's also an option to kind of do that flop and I think you know I started a Slack group recently and that has allowed um, there's so many really great conversations in there and I'm already seeing how maybe I can have some of the comments and things that are mentioned in the Slack group because it's mm-hmm. free and anybody can join. Then mm-hmm. I can take some of those and kind of, um, use some of those tidbits and snippets and put them in my newsletter so that people can use that information. And then if they want to come be part of that community, then they're welcome mm-hmm. to do so. So it's another way of kind of getting them in other spaces, but giving them kind of a taste of what's in those spaces. I like that because it's not thinking of it as um, entirely new content creation. It's kind of retranslating it into the format that's suited to that space because that it's hard. I'm only just now thinking about it as that because in my mind it's like okay what's the newsletter content what's that going to be but it's not it doesn't have to be that way um and I didn't realize that (laughs) content is always such a smart idea you know especially for usually when people it's like blog and things like that or even if you had you know even if you had your behind the scenes video that you use Mm -hmm. for patreon you know you could take the first 30 seconds of it Mm -hmm. and stick it somewhere and be like hey if you want to see more of this then come over right yeah and so it's a way of 
creating content, but then also inviting people to be part of other things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we all, I mean, and really it can be treated as an invitation. It doesn't have to be treated as sales. It's literally, you are invited here. You have the choice to decline that invitation. And I respect that, but I also want you to know that you're welcome. So, and that's something that I, you know, I think is just really important in general when we start to have those connections and start to bring in other parts of ourselves when there's money involved, you know, allowing everybody to, mm-hmm. this is just like, yeah, it's, an invitation. it's here. It's an option. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, obviously for Patreon, that's a little different because that content creation really does need to be about as original as possible because mm-hmm. they're paying for that. They're paying for that originality but it doesn't mean that you can't use some of that stuff as, you know, maybe you do set up a really nice behind the scenes video, but then maybe you talk about behind the scenes a little bit on Instagram in a different format. So they don't get to see it in a beautiful way with that elongated view, but then they still can have some element of it, I guess. So it's still a matter of repurposing, but you know, obviously that Patreon stuff should stay very Patreon because that's, right (laughs) right and that's why um i the idea of kind of retranslating maybe instagram stuff and then this this facebook group stuff um because we're doing this like print along that follows the skillshare video and yes while you can get skillshare for free for a few weeks ultimately you do you know pay for the membership but there are certain things that are they're open i mean you can if you're on not everybody's on Facebook. So I guess that's not entirely open, but a lot of people are, and it is free to join the, this specific print along group and all that. So it does feel like those kinds of offerings are really nice because it's like, it's already here. It's already open. These are your options for interacting and actually like laying those out. Cause I, I, I'm surprised every time that people don't know about stuff and you think, Oh, it's super obvious. Like, this is what I do. Of course, you know, this is what I do, but actually if you haven't talked about it, then like how, like, yeah, how is it going to come across? Um, Cause it's really obvious to you. Of course it is. Cause you're the one doing it. Right? <laughs> um, um, but I forget every time to present it in a way that's um, just easy to, easy to follow, um, I guess. So yeah, I guess yeah, those are the, do, the calls to action. You do tend to have to kind of do a lot, a lot of handholding individuals. We really, as people, we like to think that we're very independent and we want to be independent and no, we don't need you to tell us everything, but we really yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very direct line from point A to point B. And if you don't right. guide us there, we're just, we're going somewhere else completely. Well, there's just too much. There's just too much coming at you. So if it's not clear what the next step is, you just don't take it. You don't do it. Right. I mean, I think it happens all the time and that's where you lose people is they're like, well, great but how do I even I mean I had someone the other day ask um I have prints up at this digital this print on demand site and they're like well can I get them and I was like I didn't even say how to get a hold of these things I just said that they exist and to me that was like they exist therefore it's accessible but that's just not true um it's yeah it's not quite like that so yeah yeah not everybody has access to all the information and we do it it feels like maybe we're talking down to people if we have to start from like the ground up and like be very very clear with the very basic steps that we assume everybody knows but nope nope we gotta do that (laughs) no you do you do because i mean everyone has pretty short attention spans especially when it comes to social media and online stuff so um i think it's worth laying out and just being really clear about it because you know, you, you want people to interact with your content. You want them to like be there for it. So why yeah. not? <laughs> why not yeah. make it super obvious? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, one other thing that's coming to mind as far as kind of translating things across different platforms. So I've seen this done before and in my perfect world, this is what I would do too, but um, my perfect world doesn't exist because I'm too overweight <laughs> and I go all the way <laughs> But where somebody will have like a general topic or a general thing that they focus on for like a week, right? And so then then they find different ways to create content around that topic, mm. theme, whatever, and use it in all their different platforms in mm-hmm. whatever way they can. So it is kind of a matter, mm-hmm. it's, it's a little bit of repurposing, but it's mm. also kind of creating different conversations around the same thing in different places. Mm-hmm. Um, so and I know for some things, like if that's more service-based, which 
I mean, since you teach also, I still mm-hmm. think that this would be relevant to you. Um, but having conversations around like X particular method or this particular mm-hmm. craft or whatever. I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of what you do. So it's, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to get really specific, but then you can start having those conversations around like, have you tried this? What do you think? And then in Patreon, it could be more like, here are some ways that I do it. Like, what about you guys? Because I mm-hmm. imagine Patreon, I don't have a Patreon, but you can have conversations within there. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. then the same thing with the newsletter. And the newsletter can be, you know, again, kind of reformatting those conversations for that. But I do think, mm-hmm. do think that you have a very smart way of like having a newsletter in general, because you are a great example. And I am so glad that I have you on here so I can tell everybody why a newsletter is important. <laughs> not everybody's going to be on Instagram or not right. in other places. And if you don't want to be on Facebook and every, all your people are on Facebook, get them to a newsletter where right. you actually want to be. And then that's your space to use. Right. You don't have to mess with an algorithm. You don't have to try to like say something 900 times so that somebody sees it once. Mm-hmm. They are going to see it because it's in the newsletter. What, what, how did you describe it before that you have more ownership over that space? Is that kind yes, of- Yes, I mean, it's yeah. your space. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, obviously there is, you know, you, I hear it a lot like, you know, oh, it's yours. Well, it is yours, yeah. but you still usually host it on another platform. So it's mm-hmm. probably not a bad idea to like download your contacts and keep them somewhere safe oh, for wow. them. Um, every once in a while. Yeah. Mental note to me too. I should do that as right, well. Yeah. <laughs> I just did that like tick with it. <laughs> but I mean, you know, when we've got things like people really get worried about Instagram becoming more pay to play or, mm-hmm. you know, because Facebook has kind of done that in some ways and mm-hmm. now Facebook owns Instagram. So they're worried that that's going to kind of be the way that things go. And for those of us who really want that organic growth and build, then we don't want to have to continue to like pour money into it to get something right. organic. Like that doesn't. It's ironic, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but at the same time, like Instagram really just rewards organic growth. So I don't know. It's very confusing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> still have to make their money. But uh, then you also are not battling an algorithm. That's probably yeah. the biggest thing more than anything, right. more than having to worry about platforms just dissolving. I mean, I think that most things now are a little bit more uh, strong than like MySpace was, <laughs> you know, where MySpace was like, all right, we're done. I'm yeah. so, you know, we're probably not going to see that with many other no. unless yeah it's a cancel culture thing like armor or whatever which yeah so much cancel culture well yeah it was because it wasn't the government that did it it was all the bigger organizations anyway rambling but you know <laughs> what I mean like right your newsletter is really more it's just like it's your space it's you and the people there's very few barriers for you mm-hmm. getting to them other mm-hmm. than how they personally control their own inbox yeah exactly and that's and that's personal anyways and it's yeah I I, it's that's a good that's a really good point because if you're trying to get people to go and do something on the Instagram there is definitely this like step process this like this is what you do in the in the email in in their inbox there's links there's pictures there's videos there's there's everything it's right in front of them really um so it can be a really powerful tool that I think yeah, it's like I said, an afterthought and it just shouldn't be. I feel like it's, it's, but now you've kind of, you've really triggered my thought process on content here. Cause I feel like, um, I'm just having a bunch of ideas about how to translate information that I've already created and yeah. into that kind of format. Cause I guess I assumed that if they were in that space, they didn't want the type of information that I'm putting in another, in another space, but that's not necessarily true. It's that they're just not seeing it. And yeah you know, there's a lot of potential there that's kind of lost. So, yeah. um, and that's where you get like the burnout energy of like, oh, I can't possibly think of what to say again in this space. And um, I think it's, yeah, a good reminder to to not do that, to not rethink it and totally revamp it, but to just kind of present it in a different way that, um, yeah, has the potential to be really easily consumed and really easily read and, you know, stuff like that. I also worry about um, clogging people's inboxes. So I actually don't send 
newsletters out very often, maybe once a month, because um, I always worry about just, you know, there being too much, you know, putting putting too much out there. But I think uh, just kind of rethinking the way that I format it and not always just waiting until I have a bunch of salesy stuff to say is yeah. Um, important. Yeah. Yeah, I would think so too. Because then again, there's, you know, when you just come forward with the salesy stuff, which you have to do because you have a business and marketing is unfortunately mm-hmm. part of the job, yeah. but it still allows for that more that back and forth, that relationship building, right? That connection. Yeah. So the sales stuff doesn't always necessarily connect. Like you're trying to build all of your connections to get to the place where you can actually start then to ask for the sale. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the newsletter is a way that you can do it. And I mean, if once a month, like that's when I start to say, okay, look at your energy levels, look at what your ability to put in the time is. And then, then is it reasonable to do more than once a month? Can you do it twice a month? Can you do it? Mm-hmm you know, once a week may be too much, but every other week may not be terrible. Um, And if there's value in it, then a lot of times people don't have a problem clicking to open. If they feel like it's too much, they unsubscribe and they probably aren't your people. So I recently had somebody unsubscribe from mine. They told me I had way too many emails and I had been on a month and a half hiatus and I literally had sent two emails over two weeks and that was way too uh, and so <laughs> but, but I mean it reaffirms for me like yeah. then that's okay that's okay yeah. if that's too much for them that's too much for them then right don't be here but then, then they just want to be there yeah. yeah so it's it's really it's really a matter of just not worrying about too much about that because I, I heard an interesting statistic today actually about newsletters and about subject lines okay and it is 80% of the time that people open up an email, it has less to do with the subject line and it's just because of who sent it. Oh, so, wow. so if people are loving your emails, you can literally have the most boring subject line on planet earth <laughs> and they probably are still going to open it. So, okay. so that's really just like the, the thing of you mean they subscribed for a reason they want to see yeah. what you have to say yeah and so you know especially if you're going to craft fairs and you're picking people up from there and adding them on and they're not seeing you anywhere else then mm. and they haven't unsubscribed yet then they obviously still care in some format about what you do which i think is really mm-hmm. it's, it's a testament to your work of course and continuing to foster that is great because you're not going to get them anywhere else yeah yeah no it's true and then I think, um, oh gosh, I lost it. Where did it go? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, when you were talking about, yeah, like frequency of email and stuff like that, I think, you know, maybe a lot of us build it up in our head of like, okay, I'm speaking to this specific group of people. I have to make sure it's, you know, really robust and amazing and um, all that stuff. But it sounds like there are kind of some simpler things you can do that are just as engaging. That doesn't have to be this pages, pages long um, situation because more than likely they're not going to read through that anyways. Um, that is my guess. At least I don't think anybody's really scroll Cause I put coupon codes at the end of emails before just to see what happens and it's uh, hit or miss there. So yeah. And a great example or a great way to test. I mean, you can test by number one, surveying the newsletter people. You can mm. always throw in a survey and say, hey, what do you want to hear from me? Like, would you yeah. like that? Um, how often do you want to hear about it? Is this amount too much? Because sometimes that's a little better to say, like, if I emailed you every week, is that too much? If I email mm. you every other week, is that too much? Mm-hmm. Um, usually saying, like, how often do you want to hear from me? And they're like, I don't really yeah. want to <laughs> um, But that can give you kind of an idea as well as yeah. going and subscribing to a bunch of newsletters. Mm -hmm. We always have the ability to unsubscribe, but I keep a separate inbox, completely separate, that um, separate email address that I use to subscribe to newsletters. Okay. It keeps it separate from all my other stuff. Uh, But then that way I can, you know, I I like newsletters because I learn from them. And that's what I think is helpful is seeing what other people maybe in your industry outside what kinds of newsletters do you like? What kind do you mm-hmm. think might resonate with your people mm-hmm. and seeing what they do and maybe applying that in your mm-hmm. own way? Um, you know, I find that usually the really 
there are a couple of people who I think are very insightful. And so if they have very long emails, I actually will take the time to read mm. them because I know that the way that they talk is really speaks to me. But then there are some people that like, I will not read a long email unless I know that they've just separated from their partner or like, I know that, you know, it's like kind of something yeah. that really, you know, something intense is going on in their lives and you're just like, okay, I'll listen, you know, I I listen to <laughs> and it's terrible. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, most of the time yeah. I, I find I'm one of those people who like, I love resources. I love those yeah. requests. And yeah. there's a gal who she does all these different hashtags. She does, she looks, she's an Instagram person and she, um, uh, her name is Sarah Tasker. I'll link to it in the show notes, but she always includes on her monthly newsletter, a list of like the most up and coming hashtags or the ones that are gaining the most traction. And they're usually like very creative based. So her audience is very creative and visual and likes art. And so those are really helpful and fun to look through and follow and everything. But for a while when I was doing artsy stuff, I was eating that up. I was like, oh, every month. Okay, here it comes. I'm getting those hashtags. And you're her person. And she's like, yeah, Yeah. there's there's the match. Like someone who's eating up your content. You love that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's what you want. That's That's who you're serving. So that's kind of the point. Yeah. And I guess like, I like, I want to use the newsletter for things like, you know, leading people to links for shop updates and things like that. But you have to know if that's the kind of stuff that they'll actually, because there's, there's no point in putting stuff out like that if no one's going to interact with it. If it's what you want them to do, that's a totally different story than what they're actually going to do and what they want to mm-hmm. do. Because, you know, you got to figure out where that lines up and where you can actually provide um, the, yeah, the value, the, the, what, what folks are actually going to end up interacting with. Otherwise you're just kind of wasting your time. So. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. but I mean, like, it is still important to do those, those sales things just because, yeah. I mean, the whole reason that they probably signed up in the first place was to do, because they like what you have to offer. So right. you just kind of have to leverage that a little bit more to, you know, what else, like what on top of that, what more than just here's a sale, here's my shop. Mm-hmm. What else can I get from you? Um, yeah. And then, and value comes in all kinds of ways. We know that, right. you know, yeah. it can be the dumbest memes and we love them. <laughs> yeah. Or it can be something really in depth and insightful, right. or it can be something that's just purely educational, a nice quote, whatever. It can be yeah. anything. Yeah, I know that's true. I think um, definitely creating collections like that of, you know, I have a, um, like Pinterest boards and stuff and like never talk about it or share it or really do anything with it. So, you know, just figuring out those little corners where you're like, oh, I do have something to provide there. I do have something to share um, that you just don't really realize, you know, things, music that you listen to, books that you read, whatever, or whatever those things are that you don't realize that are actually things that, you know, maybe someone else would enjoy too. So yeah, it's true. Cause most of the time our ideal customers are very close to who we are as people or who we used to be. So mm-hmm it's very typical that like, yeah, like the books you read or the movies you watch or whatever are probably going to be right. probably going to align with them as well. So yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> All right. So do you have any other questions for me? Um, I think, I, I guess that was like the main one is like how to kind of reimagine newsletter stuff, newsletter content, um, just balancing, sharing on all those different platforms and how to yeah just how to manage that and how to not how to keep it fun instead of um burdensome because I I I think that's pretty common that we're just dragging our feet on it sometimes because it just feels like another part of entrepreneurship that you know there's already so much to do and like why this too but um I really appreciate you shedding light on um you know, just different ways to share content that is not, yeah, not completely reinventing the wheel. And just, um, I don't know, I, I appreciate the perspective of like, you as an artist, or you as an entrepreneur, or whatever, have a specific vision that you can, uh, you know, create, or you can, create an experience for someone else who also wants to experience what you like to experience and stuff like that. So um, I think, yeah, I don't know if I have any more questions. I think that's about it. 
Okay. <laughs> so, well, that's yeah. so, so if people want to find you online, where can they do that? Yeah, I'm, yeah, like I said, mostly on Instagram um, and all those places, it's pretty much all Emily Ruth Prince. So emilyruthprince.com, at Emily Ruth Prince on Instagram, Emily Ruth Prince on Facebook, um, at Gmail, all those things. It's all the same. Easy <laughs> so it's pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Try to make it easy. I do have to explain sometimes that it's P-R-I-N-T-S, not P-R-I-N-C. Oh. <laughs> I feel I feel so silly when people interpret it as Prince because I'm like oh gosh that's so like a very strange conceited thing to say um <laughs> I have to explain that something uh but no Prince printmaking so we do you can find links to everything that we talked about on today's episode on my website at www.williamsanastasia.com slash podcast. And also too, I'd love to encourage you to share this episode with any friends that you might have that are also struggling with figuring out how to manage all the different types of content or having issues with their newsletters. And if you wouldn't mind leaving a review on iTunes, that would be so helpful in helping other business owners find this podcast. Talk to you next week.